Thanks for tuning in to Witch Wednesdays with Steph and Tara, where we share our knowledge as we chat about a new witchcraft topic every Wednesday morning. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. This is Steph. And this is Tara. And you are listening to episode 62, How to Grow a Witchy Garden. This is something that we've mentioned in the past because witchy gardens are a great way to not only incorporate that into your witchcraft, but then use the plants and herbs that you grow in your kitchen magic and other spells and things like that. So witchy gardens are incredibly useful and incredibly popular. Yes. So we have lots of tips today from start to finish, from planting to harvesting. So probably will be a long episode, but we just (laughs) wanted to give you the whole overview of planting a garden for yourself, no matter where you are. And also wanted to mention right off the bat, in case you missed the announcement over on Instagram or our website, we did set up a Discord server. So if you're not familiar with Discord, it's basically like a big chat room. Yeah. And they have an app and a web-based interface so you can access it from both places and you just sign up, you know, make an account. And then there are different boards where you can chat about things. And people have already been chatting about gardens and gardening tips. So there are a lot of people there who are familiar with gardens or just starting their gardens. It's a great place to chat and interact with other witches. It's been incredibly difficult in the last year for like anybody to get together with their friends or make new friends or you know find witchcraft communities they're they're harder to find in general in the best of times um especially in smaller areas if you're not in a big city it can be kind of hard to find those occult stores and groups so everything obviously is moving online so this is just (laughs) another way to have a community of which is all different practices, all different stages of study. Some are beginners, some are more advanced, uh, different things that areas that they excel in. So it's a good place to meet some more witches and ask all your questions, answer anything that you may know about. Um, we get on there and interact a little bit, but mostly you guys just chatting and witchy gardens have already come up. <laughs> it was like the first day. So they're, they're very popular. Very yeah. <laughs> So if you want to join that community, the link is up on our Instagram and on our website. And I will do my best to remember to link it in the show notes so you can find that easily all over the place. (laughs) Everywhere. So let's get into this whole witchy garden thing. Witchy gardens are the easiest way to connect with whatever your higher power is, whether that's a god or goddess or just the universe or energy in general is through spending time in nature. Yes. And you can definitely create your own nature area at home, whether you actually live in a house with land and can do a real garden, or if you only have a tiny apartment or a condo like me, like Tara does, you can still plant some sort of garden on a windowsill or something. All you need is earth and some natural light, you know, water. (laughs) Water's good too. Yeah. (laughs) And communicating with nature and plants and learning to understand them is very magical on its own. And it's also just the basis of a lot of herbalism and traditional practices, green witchcraft and hearth witchcraft, things like that. So we're going to share all of our tips so you can connect to nature too. And the very 
first thing that's important to start with is actually taking an opportunity to visit nature in your area if you have not done that before. Yes. Very because big. there are many differences, obviously, across where you live, but even within the same state of what plants are going to grow better in your area. So the best place to start if you've never done it is to go outside and see at exactly what's growing in, in your area. If you have, you know, a, a nature area or a wooded area, something nearby that you could drive to and check out, um, then that's the best pace, place to see what's naturally growing. And they have apps that can ID plants for you. They have plant identification books. Uh, you can buy one or check it out at the library so you can actually figure out what's growing. And from there, figure out which of those plants have any magical or uses in the kitchen that you may want to use. If you have a, a garden, like an official garden near your, you, a lot of times they'll have a lot of the plants labeled too. That's a really helpful thing. You can find one. Bigger cities are really lucky because they usually have a few gardens that are set up this way. Smaller towns, maybe not as much. That's when you're going to want the app or a book to help ID but a lot of the bigger gardens and bigger cities will have an official garden set up that you can walk through and they have the plants labeled and where they're native to. And they'll even give you a lot of detail on kinds of shade or sun they need and that kind of thing. So if you live in that kind of area, I highly recommend checking that out because they've done a lot of the work for you. So the point that we are in right now would be the planning stage because Throughout history, our ancestors used the winter months to plan and prepare for the growing season. So up here in the Northern Hemisphere, this is generally from Yule to Ostara. And we've talked about that as something that you can do on in bulk as part of your yearly tradition is to start making a plan for your garden. Because in bulk is looking forward to spring, but it's not I mean, quite here. we are past in bulk <laughs> here and it is no, there are still two feet of snow on the ground. So there's no, there is no planting happening. I here. just complained to Steph that we're supposed to get more snow today as we're recording, uh, at least where I am, not where she is. She's lucky, but there's so much snow. <laughs> so very much snow. Yeah. And yeah I'm, even in Texas, you guys, there's no planting nope. right now. So uh, this is, this is planning time. <laughs> this is perfect planning time. All the snow is to help you plan your garden for when it melts. <laughs> But planning is definitely the fun part. You can scroll through Pinterest, garden magazines, lots of books about it. There's all kinds of things. If you're brand new to this, start small. Yes. Oh, gosh. Don't plan <laughs> like your entire garden. You know, if you actually live in a house and you've got like a front bed and, you know, side garden, something in the back, don't plan everything because it gets really overwhelming really fast. Yes. And it's a lot too many like plants to track. So start small and the best way to um, sort of accomplish this is to just visualize what you want it to look like and then actually sketch it out yeah I find that very helpful as well yeah there's um, that dot grid paper it probably has real name I don't know what it is but you can actually plot out what your garden what you want it to look like and when you start researching your plants you will see that they have requirements for space and how spaced out they should be and things that they should not be planted next to each next to which we are going to yeah we're gonna we're gonna get into um in this episode too uh so visualize sketch it out and you definitely want to note 
how much area you have, how many plants can fit, your soil quality. (laughs) And definitely, yes, the sun, the amount of sun and the location. You need to know which way the sun moves because your different areas in your garden are going to have different access to light throughout the Mm -hmm. day and throughout the season. So you definitely need to know where that sun is hitting. And another, um, so something that you might want to keep in mind is whether you want to do a theme. Theme gardens are super pretty. Again, if there's a botanical space in your area, this is a good place to check it out. We have the botanic gardens here in Chicago or a little bit outside of Chicago. Um, but they have themes. So they have like the Japanese garden area. Um, you can also do a Celtic garden or Victorian garden. There are different flowers and herbs that pertain to each of those. So that could be a really a pretty way to set things up and thereby pick plants that work well together. Yeah. Um, And figure out what the focus of your garden is. If you're going to be primarily cooking with those plants and herbs, that's going to be a lot different than if you are just putting out pretty flowers to attract bees or butterflies. Those are a lot different. So just, uh, take a few minutes to figure out what your sort of theme is and what your focus is to make a cohesive garden. And this is really important guys, uh, especially with the pollinators, because I live in a condo. I know a lady in my building, she planted a beautiful garden when she first moved in. It was gorgeous. It was all pollinators. She couldn't use her balcony for six months because it basically became a beehive. Like, Uh, It was gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. It was beautiful, but she's used to having a house. So there are some considerations to think about, uh, not beyond just the theme itself, but I love a good pollinator. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about the bees. But if you have a small space to work with, maybe don't plant all the pollinating things right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You're definitely going to have a ton of bees that can come out. I mean, in my, I live in an actual house and if I wanted to do that, you know, along the garage in the back where there's like a big garden space, that would be fine because those bees would be far enough away that they are not yeah. you know, coming into the house. They're not directly on the porch. Yep. Exactly. Um, but yes, a theme is great or a purpose. Uh, my current garden is all about magic and kitchen work. So it's a lot of herbs that are multi-purpose that I can cook with or use for magic, but that's my focus. So I don't think I have a single flowering plant currently. <laughs> um, my focus is things I cannot kill. That's a good focus. So uh, I am not great at any of this. I actually have a gardener that came in and put everything in, which is totally a legitimate way to start. If you're Beginner. new to this, you can hire somebody yeah. and tell them what you want. And they will put in the plants that you can then continue to keep alive for years yep. to come. So that is what I did. I have a gardener who put in things that would live, be able to keep alive. And I do have some flowering plants because my husband likes color back there. So we do attract bees and things like that, but they're far enough away from the house. So we have a lot of options and I have these tall grassy things because I have feral cats and they like to play with them. So that's, that's what I picked to go. (laughs) So there are lots of different ways that you can choose plants and if you're new to this it can definitely be overwhelming so easy to grow and indestructible yes uh, are the way to go so we have some tips on that and we have some to share with you um, that will be 
relatively easy to grow. They're all witchy, all 12 of these have a lot of different magical associations and can be used in the kitchen. So lots of things, but we definitely want to make sure that you know that plants are very resilient. So so they can look like they're almost dead and still recover. So before you throw anything out, just try moving it to a new area of your garden or watering more or less and see if it'll make it recover because plants are more resilient than you think they are so don't just give up yeah oh gosh guys I had a plant it was completely brown and I moved it to a new room and stopped watering it and it bloomed so like it yeah (laughs) yeah they can come back from practically the dead (laughs) so we have these 12 that we are going to uh, tell you about that I'll have these um, witchy properties and we are going to tell you about what you can and cannot plant them with but these are just like the 12 most common and very resilient and of course they are in alphabetical order because that's who I am as a person so the first one up is basil the magical properties of basil are for harmony in the home for soothing any unhappy feelings for good luck wealth, love, and compromise. You do not want to plant them with cucumbers, rue, or snap snap beans, but you can plant them with peppers and tomatoes. Next up is bay. This plant is actually a tree, so it's not compatible to grow with anything. Like, it just kind of takes over. But (laughs) the magical properties are divination, seeing clearly, understanding new informations, protections, cleansing, banishing ghosts, physical vitality, and wishes, both granting wishes and uh, finding your wishes. That's kind of a weird way to phrase that, but determining what your (laughs) wishes should be or are. Yeah, that's a very popular spell um, is to write your wish on a bay leaf and then burn it in some way or dispose of it in some way so very popular one Mm -hmm. next up on the list is chives the magical properties of chives are for good health cleansing protection and keeping love near you don't want to plant them with beans but you can plant them with carrots celery grapes peas and roses uh be careful on the type of roses if they're climbing roses they can strangle the chives just a heads up on that uh next up is dill I love a good deal. Uh, Magical properties are long life, preservation of hearth and home, job protection, and cultivating opportunities. Do not plant with carrots, fennel, or tomatoes. It can be planted with fruit trees and cabbages. Lemon verbena is good for love, personal strength, banishing nightmares, cleansing sacred spaces, and attracting passion for people or for activities. And you can plant them with other aromatic and meditative plants. This one is pretty hardy, can grow next to anything. <laughs> next up, and I am sorry for my pronunciation, is marjoram. Am I saying that right? Yep. Close enough? Correct. Uh, so the magical properties include love, protection, health, happiness, strength, wealth, and money. Do not plant with cucumbers. Do plant with sage and vegetables. Uh, just a heads up, this has taken over a complete planter that planter at my house that had six other things in it. So it's a lot hardier than some other plants that you might plant it with. So give it room to grow or make sure that you're trimming it back. 
next is mints. There are a ton, wide variety of mints. And the magical properties applies to mints across the board, but you may just find some work better than others for you. I think Tara and I both like spearmint. Yeah. But there is a wide variety of mints that you can use. But they are for money, love, cleansing, safety and travel, stress relief, and concentration and focus. You do not want to plant these directly in the ground because they spread like crazy. Yes. Oh, gosh. They'll take All over that. everything. Yeah. So mint is best kept to a pot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it is contained. Um, but they can be planted with broccoli, cabbage, and peas. But you want to keep them contained or they will be absolutely everywhere. Yeah. They yeah, will take over anything they touch. <laughs> I've seen them eat dandelions. That's how hardy they are. They will eat anything. Uh, next up is oregano. Magical properties include money, love, lust, good health, protection, and happiness. They're good to plant with beans, cucumber, and squash. Parsley is for growth, cleansing, protection against accidents at home or while traveling. And you can plant that with asparagus, corn, peppers, and tomatoes. Next up is rosemary, one of my favorites. The magical properties, pretty much anything. They're great. Uh, love, protection, cleansing, mental clarity, lust, healing, sleep, stress relief, usefulness. Uh, do not plant with cucumbers, but they're good to plant with cabbage, beans, carrots, and sage. Which brings us to sage. Sage, obviously, super popular. Mm-hmm. Its magical properties are wisdom, wishes, knowledge, strength, long life, and, of course, spiritual cleansing. Because sage is often used in cleansing of the home with smoke bundles and things like that which people have talked about sage being endangered it's it's not sage in general is not endangered you can grow sage in your own backyard there are certain types of sage that are sacred to native americans that we don't use and there are certain types of sage that are endangered i think it's like white white sage from a certain area is endangered but you can grow your own sage in your own backyard or in your own garden and use that to cleanse your house. Just FYI. Yeah. All of these you refusing, do. like mint is, there's so many different types of mint. Sage, there's different types of sage, but we're just using the overarching. Right. Yeah. Uh, you do not want to plant sage with cucumber or onions, but you can plant it with rosemary, carrots, marjoram, strawberries, tomatoes, and lavender. Next up is thyme. The magical properties include courage, long life, health and healing issues, cleansing, love, dream magic, sleep, and gaining knowledge. Do not plant with cucumbers. This is so serious, guys. The cucumbers will taste beyond weird. (laughs) Uh, But you can plant it with cabbage, lettuce, eggplant, tomatoes, strawberries, and oh, potatoes. I said tomatoes first. Anyway. Both potatoes and yeah, all of, all of those types of things, but not cucumbers, guys. I'm deadly serious about that. It's super weird. So those are the 12 that we wanted to share that are very commonly used in witchcraft, have a lot of magical properties, and are very hardy to grow practically anywhere. Yes, they're they're good for indoors, outdoors. Um, yeah, they're very, they tend to be very easy to grow. And almost all of these are available in either seed if you want to start from scratch or seedlings. So someone else has already planted them and done the hard work of making them start to grow and you can just transplant them wherever. So after you have chosen your plants and have the idea of what you want it all to look like, 
then you get into the actual planting schedule. So this is where you decide if you're going to get the seeds or the starters that Tara talked about. Um, if you want to use raised garden beds or you're going to go directly into the earth, uh, you have to start thinking about how tall these plants will grow. And like Tara talked about climbing roses, do they need a trellis to grow up on and then figure out, you know, sunlight needs, soil drainage, all of these factors that go into it. And it seems like a lot of work all at once, but it's a lot of work if you're thinking about growing 12 different plants across a big area and you're starting totally from scratch. But if you do things, you know, one at a time, yeah, it's not that it's, bad. It's definitely not so overwhelming. And if you are setting up a garden like this, then you're doing this work once. Yeah. And if you really like what you have and things start growing, you just keep it going from year to year. So this is not something that you need to do this whole elaborate plan every single time that you start out. You don't have to start from scratch every year. A lot of these will keep coming back. Yeah. If you have raised garden beds, it's not like you're going to get rid of those garden beds in the winter. I don't think, unless you really like extra work and then re-put them up. So (laughs) a lot of these things will stay and you won't have to redo it. But we definitely want you to note that if you do go get the plants from the greenhouse, they come with plant tags and those tags explain light temperature and water um so do seed packets but they uh, they're useful but they might be inaccurate for your specific area especially if you order seed packets online yeah because they might be coming from a totally different area so you always have to double check with either gardeners or botanists in your area or just books to your area or kind of just see how things go so yeah definitely keep that in mind and keep in mind too that If you are getting seed packets online, um, I've had this issue before, so just a friendly warning. Sometimes they will throw different types of mint into a mint packet and give it to you. And you'll notice some of your plants grow really well under the conditions in the packet and some don't. It's because they've got the seeds mixed up. So that's something to keep. If you're buying like 100 seeds online because it's really cheap, maybe be a little leery on what those 100 seeds are from. (laughs) Indeed. And this is a general recommendation because this YouTuber is not a witch at all, but grows really beautiful garden and has just started out like in the last two years. So Haley Evans on YouTube, she's in Canada. I love her. It's H-A-I-L-E-Y, Haley Evans. Um, And she just like went through in detail, like decluttering her seed package, showing what kinds they are, where she got them from, how she plants stuff, her diagrams, all of that stuff. She just did videos on, I think in, in January. So if you would like to see firsthand kind of what those drawings look like and, you know, the things that, that she grows and some options because she is in Canada. I mean, yeah. Short growing season there. So if you want to see things like that, she is a great one to check out. Nothing to do with witchcraft, but just really pretty. But sometimes you need some of the details before you get into the witchy portion of stuff. So, (laughs) yep. So, and one other thing we wanted to talk about is planting and harvesting based on the moon cycle. So we have talked all about the lunar cycle. We have a whole episode on that from the new moon, full moon, everything in between. And that's generally divided into the four quarters, which is the new moon to the first quarter, first to the full moon, full moon to the third quarter, and then third quarter back to the new moon. Right. 
So a lot of witches plant their garden around these moon phase quarters. Or and, harvest based on the moon phase quarters. Which is very common across all types of witchcraft mm-hmm. and just gardening. Like people plan spell work and all kinds of things based on these quarters of the moon. So gardening is just another one of those things. If you are a lunar witch or feel very tied to lunar energies or use the energies in other areas of your witchcraft, you might find a lot of success by following this in your planting as well. So the new moon to the first quarter is a good time to plant crops that you want for their leaves and flowers or any part that doesn't contain seeds. So like lettuce, cabbage, and most herbs that we talked about. Um, And then for annuals, which will finish their growth cycle in a single season. Yep. And then first quarter to full moon, uh, plant annuals that you want for the parts that contain seeds. This is like peas, beans, fruits, grain crops, uh, some herbs. It depends on the herbs. Um, and you're growing them only to collect seeds during that time. And from the full moon to the third quarter is anything that has part of the plant that you want to use below ground. So like roots and tubers and bulbs, anything that the actual part that you're using or eating is underground. And this is also a good time for pruning and harvesting crops, especially fruit that you're going to store for more than a few days. This is generally when I prune my plants. So third quarter to new moon, uh, do not plant or transplant during this time. This is the time for weeding, harvesting, drying, canning, and preserving. So if you have been um, pruning and harvesting during the full moon to third quarter, this is a good, the third quarter to new moon is a good time to like preserve what you want out of those. Drying, for instance, is a really, really popular and easy one. Canning, a little more time intensive, but. And you can see if you listen to our moon, episode how that kind of goes along with the cycles where this new moon is all about like beginnings and and planning and preparation and taking the first few steps and then the last the third quarter to the next new moon is sort of like reflection and not starting anything new and just looking back at at what had happened before you start planning like the next thing so it kind of all ties in together Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, you can also divide the moon phases just into two halves and that's when the moon is growing and the waxing phase or the waning phase when it's shrinking you know back to darkness so when the moon is waxing you can cast spells and practice magic that invite abundance and prosperity into your garden Mm -hmm. and while it's waning you want to do magic to protect it from harm and remove any energy that doesn't benefit it having said that you still want to weed when the moon is waxing and waning, if your garden's outside, you don't want to wait. <laughs> and so, yeah, otherwise they're they're, they're wild. Yeah, You'll I would be like, out there forever. You're lose part of your garden if you uh, are like I can own. Steph and Tara said that I can only weed during this part of the moon. No, that is not <laughs> what we're saying. <laughs> so you out. need to actively weed that garden. Yes, <laughs> I mean obviously less so if you're doing a windowsill or you know indoor garden in pots and things. But if yeah. you're doing an actual outdoor garden, you need to weed like all the time. Yes. You can wait for the pruning most of the time, but the weeding is really important, especially as, the first, <laughs> as you're first growing your plants. And something else that may benefit your garden is just talking to your plants. I totally do this. Uh, it's actually been proven several times that plants that receive positive words of encouragement or music grow more productively than plants that do not. Yep. So 
I mean, they can't respond to you in traditional human conversation, but they communicate in their own plant way by growing better. So, you know, talk to them, ask them how they're doing, check in on their well-being, but actually use your voice to communicate with them. They like that. Yep. And of course, since you are taking from the land when you harvest these plants, you want to make sure that you are giving back. So replenish it with nutrient-rich soil, organic matter, water, and new plants you know, worms, if you need to, yep. Uh, make sure you mulch, anything like that. Just make sure you're, you are taking care of it and thanking the land for anything that you are then harvesting. Uh, a lot of towns and cities anymore have a compost program. Um, I know Cedar Rapids, Iowa does, which shocked the heck out of me a few years ago, but you can both contribute to and take from the community compost. And I think that's a great way for a lot of cities to both have less garbage and to give back to the earth as a community. So you can look in your area and see if there's anything like that. Yep. They have a lot of options where uh, they do home delivery Mm -hmm. and um, pick up as well. So they bring you a bucket and you put your food scraps in it and then you put your bucket outside and they replace it with compost and they take your bucket of food away and the cycle continues. Um, and if you don't like the bucket idea, just keep food scraps in your freezer until you're ready to take them to the compost and they don't smell. So there you go. Perfect. <laughs> and then last up is harvesting. Woohoo! So if it is safe for you to be outside at night, then harvesting is best done under moonlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, this ensures that the produce hasn't withered in the heat of the sun and it just feels really witchy to be out there <laughs> under, under the moonlight but only only if it's safe if you are I mean if you're safe in your own backyard at night that's great um, if your plants are indoors awesome but if you don't have maybe like fencing or something safe outside or if you do a community garden where it wouldn't be safe to be out there in the middle of the night by yourself the then obviously fine. not not important don't put yourself in danger to harvest your plants under moonlight (laughs) but if you can um it's it's good for them Mm -hmm. and if you don't want to harvest at night you can also use full moon water we've talked about moon water a ton but that's and what specifically watering your plants with it i do this i think i mentioned in the moon water episode (laughs) (laughs) and um obviously If you want to keep the witchiness going, then use those plants in your cooking, in your kitchen witchcraft, and then share that with others. Because by giving that that gift of all this work that you did, um, it makes room for new growth and more abundance in the future. Plus, everyone likes fresh herbs and food. And I've never had anyone be like, I don't want your fresh herbs in my bread. (laughs) Yeah, your rosemary bread. Get out of yeah, here. Right? Like, yeah, no. Everybody likes it. <laughs> um, we do have an episode coming up. I don't I don't know when. A few um, that we are going to be talking about daily practice because that's a question that we get quite a bit is how to incorporate witchcraft more into your daily routine. Mm-hmm. And gardening is probably one of the top tips in easiest ways yeah because it, it if you go through the effort of planting these yourself and having this garden no matter what its size it is a daily task yeah. to check in on like I mentioned that I have a snake plant inside that I don't have to 
water every day, water like every three weeks. So that's not like a daily practice, but if you are planting herbs and vegetables, things like that, it is a daily practice to go and check on those and water them and weed and do all of those things. And you can make that magical by, you know, blessing the tools that you're going to use and talking to your plants and putting your intention in them as you're growing them of, of what their purpose is when they're going to be harvested and things like that. So it's a great way to incorporate more witchiness into your daily life is tending your garden. I was going to say, I do that. Uh, I have quite a large indoor garden. Um, and so I talk to it. I water it daily. Um, I try and harvest what I can at least weekly. And I use that in my cooking and in my spell craft. And it's just a good way to stay tied to nature when there's two feet of snow on the ground and it's too cold to go outside. <laughs> Um, that is all we have for you on witchy gardens, which is it's kind of a lot. Kind of half, a lot. half an hour of, of talking about gardens. I was like, so, it's kind of a lot. And this is just the so, very basics, so, guys. Kind of, kind of a lot. But if you have specific questions or if you just want to show what you garden or have any tips for anyone, then definitely check out that Discord server. There is a whole board for chatting about each episode. Mm-hmm. So get on there and chat about gardens, ask me questions. And there are witches from all over the world on it. So there might be somebody that is in your area that can answer specific questions that you have about what plants are going to grow in your particular garden. And some people that have a lot of experience with gardens, they know so much that even without knowing your specific area, they can tell you what to look for and like signs on what's best to plant where. Um, There are some people that are just deeply into the witchy gardens in a way that I am not jealous of, but super impressed (laughs) by, because I just don't have that natural affinity. And it's taken a lot of study to be able to grow a garden for myself. But yeah, ask people. It's so helpful. And we will be in there and answering any questions that we know the answers to. (laughs) Definitely, (laughs) definitely go check that out. And we will see you over there. All right. Thanks, everyone. That's all we have for you this week. We will see you next week. And next week is all about the Wiccan deities, because that's another question that we get asked a lot. Perfect. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Need even more witchcraft? Subscribe to our Patreon account for tons of exclusive bonus content and order supplies from our Etsy store. Reach out on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast or by email to witchwednesdays at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. Find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com.